station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick, joined as always by my co-host, movie caretaker, Melissa Kershaw. Hello! And of course, we do have, as always, our movie amateur, although it's not really fair to call you a movie amateur, but in this case, you have not seen the movie that we are watching. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have returning for his second guest appearance on A Real Education, Sean O'Loughlin. Hello, Sean. Hello, greetings. And so the movie that we are going to watch this evening is The Shining. So I'm going to start by saying, hey, Sean, what do you know about The Shining? Well, I've never seen The Shining, but um, uh, Melissa and I had talked about this a little bit, that it's it's so uh, well-known in our culture um, that so many things about it have, are kind of memes, almost, uh-huh. before memes really happened, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, so I know a lot of scenes that take place, or, or maybe... Uh, visuals that take place, but I have no idea what order they take place in. I have no idea what the context is. You know, I, um, <laughs> do you know the story? I know t- very, very little about the story. Sweet. Tell yeah. us what you know. This, this is the. What do you know about the story? Uh, about all I know is there's a woman and a son in a hotel, and a guy goes crazy. There's a woman and a son in a hotel, and a guy goes crazy. That, uh, all right. and, that's, that, and that's, that's about fair. all. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's some twins, uh, some creepy <laughs> twins, and, you know, kid riding his trike in the hallway, and um, <laughs> there's a maze in the back of the, the, back of the place. And, yep. I mean, so I know just random things that uh, that are in the movie, I have no idea how they go together. I have no idea what the ending is. I have no idea what the start is. Well, all right. Excellent. Good. Well, then you have, you have. I think you, you qualify very well for, for being introduced to this movie. Indeed. Uh, a couple of details about this film. This is a Stanley Kubrick film. It is, I believe, our first Stanley Kubrick it film. Is. It uh, is. Our second Stanley Kubrick film will be coming up. In just a couple of weeks. Indeed. Uh, but uh, so Stanley Kubrick is uh, was British. Is, I shouldn't say is. Was a British director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not prolific. No, no. But he, he worked steadily. He did. And assuredly. <laughs> yeah. And um, part, part of the he, reason that he was not prolific is that he worked a long time. Yeah, he would he um, would spend many, many years developing projects. He was very exacting as a director. Um and he found success fairly early, so he did have the luxury of spending time on his movies and, and crafting these kind of epic works of art. Yes. And he had, uh, as a director, I mean, all, all great directors have a voice, and he has a very distinctive voice. Yes. To, to his films that is certainly on display here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should mention, and, and, and we'll get into uh, how he was as a director quite a bit, I imagine, oh, goodness, yeah. uh, after, after the jump. But yeah. uh, we should mention that this uh, movie is adapted from a Stephen King mm-hmm. novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, depending on who you ask, one of the better adaptations of a Stephen King novel. If you ask Stephen King, he would argue it is not. Yep. Uh, if you ask most people who watch movies, they would argue that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, but, but some some king aficionados also hate king, this movie. So. King aficionados uh, have uh, well, yeah, I, it, I, I, I know king aficionados who who would like this movie if it wasn't called The Shining. Molly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get her on <laughs> yeah. eventually, but not for this because yeah. she's seen this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
What else do we need to talk about before we start the movie in a non-spoiler-like fashion? Oh, I think we can probably just plunge right in. I think we can just plunge right in to The Shining. So uh, we're going to do that. We will go watch The Shining, and then we will return to discuss our experience, and more specifically, Sean's experience with the film. Midnight and a rendezvous Your eyes held a message tender Saying I surrender all my love to you Midnight And we are back. Many elevators have bled. Uh, many sheets of paper have been filled with the same words over and over again. Yes, in many and languages. In many languages, yes. uh, as we'll get to later. Yes. Uh, so, here we are. We have watched The Shining, or as they call it on The Simpsons, The Shinnin'. The Shinnin'. The Shinnin'. We want to get sued. <laughs> so, Sean, your first time watching The Shinnin'. What did you think? So, overall, the tone was about what I was expecting. Um, but I, I actually didn't even know that, uh, that Nicholson's character was married to the, the mother and, and father of the son. I didn't even know that part. Wow. I thought, it, I thought that they just happened to be people in the same hotel. <laughs> uh, it was kind of the, the headcanon that I had made up. And, mm. um... And, and so, here we are. yeah, there's a, you know, <laughs> yes. a much bigger part of the story missing if you don't have that. But um, uh, I also had, had somehow forgotten that it was a Stanley Kubrick movie. I'd always, oh, kind of, wow, I'd always yeah. kind of just you know thought of it as uh, The Shining by Stephen King, and I'd com- completely somehow missed the fact that it, that it was Stanley Kubrick. So I wasn't expecting. Um, it to be so visual. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I thought that the most visual parts of the movie were going to be just the the few shots of, you know, the kid riding around the hotel or or the uh, the twins standing in the hallway or whatever it was. Uh, but the whole movie is pretty much that visual because it it's Kubrick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He 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 was a very visual. Um, director, incredibly uh, so. I mean, he came I from mean, a background. You know, he came from a background in journalism. He was a photojournalist, so he knew his way around a camera in, it, it really, really well. And when he became a film director, he carried that the knowledge of cameras with him, not just to you know just general sort of cinematography and how to set up a shot, but he was developing lenses. <laughs> like I need to do this shot. Let's make a lens for it. Now, before we get to uh, the plot of the film and, mm-hmm. and, and all the other things that go into that, um, and, and this is a story that I, I remember, and, and Melissa, you can you can tell me that I'm wrong, but oh, yeah. I believe that when he shot this film, he, he actually shot it with the expectation it would be shown on television. Yeah, and yeah, because he felt, uh, you know, the television format was the, the way of the, the future, and that's how people would be ingesting movies. So rather than filming it widescreen, he went back to what's basically academy format, the the, the uh, dimensions of a television screen. So it's not widescreen. Which is, yeah, yeah. very unusual yeah. for, uh, for filmmakers to do. Especially uh, at that 
period in time. But it does mean if you see The Shining on television, yeah, and you're like, oh, this is pan and scan bullshit. It's actually not. It's not pan and scan bullshit. It's it's the aspect ratio we shot the film in. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to, back to the uh, the story. Now, as I mentioned, uh, it's just based on a Stephen King book. Obviously, Sean, you mentioned that as well. Uh, Stephen King does not like this film at all. Oh yeah, and it's it's. I can understand why because the the book is very different. Like the steps of the plot are mostly the same, but the the story dynamics very different. Uh, first of all. Um, like in the book, it's this slow descent into madness, and of course, once you cast Jack Nicholson in that role, it's like he's zero to crazy in under thirty seconds, and he's that <laughs> way for the rest of the movie. It's a quick descent, into it, it's a, it, and and he's just there for the rest of the time. There's nothing subtle in that performance at all, and uh, there's something absolutely delicious in that. It's fun watching Nicholson work, but he's in contrast with uh, Shelley Duvall, who is giving this. Uh, just amazing outpouring of raw emotion at all times, and uh, it, it she's a very interesting character in the movie. But um, in the book, Wendy is kind of this blonde cheerleader type uh, who basically didn't have to work for anything, and this is like her challenge that she has to get out of. Whereas. Wendy in the movie is this woman who you can kind of tell she hasn't done much in her life and she got into this situation figuring like this guy's a writer and this is she was attracted to him in this way and then it just winds up she's in another shitty situation well and, and she's married to an alcoholic yeah um, you know there's yeah, there's, it, the, there's the story of the the borderline abuse of his son and, yeah, and some idea that there might be some bore certainly we, we mm-hmm. witnessed some some psychological abuse even before oh, he's absolutely. completely and that, and that's totally madness. from the book but you know the 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 character of Wendy um, is very key to how the story works and the the Wendy from the book and the Wendy from the movie are very very different and I think they both work in the contexts where they're used but I can see you know, this is not The Shining that Stephen King wrote. So I can understand why he doesn't care for it much. Having having found out that that they're all one family, I'm actually a little bit more surprised that he didn't start out as a more loving husband to kind of map that descent into madness. Right. That, right. You know, it seems like you know he just starts out as a jerk who then goes insane rather than... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he starts out as unpleasant, and he ends as homicidal and unpleasant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's hard to follow the emotional thread on that front, I think. But otherwise, I think The Shining is a r- remarkable movie, and the visuals and just kind of the uh, the uh, the the way that the the hotel is this environment and, you know, just the, the usual craftsmanship that is behind all of Kubrick's movies and Shelley Duvall's performance, I think, is amazing. 
Yeah, and we'll talk about what went into that. Oh, God, yeah. But uh, I, I think the sense of place... Uh, yeah, the sense the, of place the, is astounding. The, the, what, what, what's super brilliant is those shots of the kid riding around in the big wheel are amazing. They're fantastic yeah. shots. You know, and we were talking about the sound, the sound of yeah. the big wheel and the way it changes when it goes over the carpets mm-hmm. and onto yeah. the floors. And the different kinds of floors have different kinds of sounds. And I'm relatively certain. I mean, I don't... I, I would be surprised if that was fully work. I, I have to... I have to. Well, I mean, Kubrick was really exacting on Foley work too. So yeah. I'm I'm not specifically sure if it was Foley work or if it was live yeah. recording, but it, it sure it's seemed really like it would good. be. But uh, but it, I mean, to the to the point where, um, the the sounds of typing that happen within the movie, um, that's all Foley work, and it's not just Foley work. It is a typist typing. Uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Specifically typing that because <laughs> Kubrick heard that each key of a typewriter can have a very slightly different sound and therefore when they do the Foley work they have to be typing exactly what Jack, Jack is typing. <laughs> but but And, and the right? thing that I was going to say about those <laughs> those scenes, as, as amazing as they were, the other thing they do is they establish the place yeah they establish better than when they're walking through and giving you the tour of the hotel when yeah. you then have the kid ride his big wheel you go oh, all right well here's where the kitchen relates to where this relate to relates to where this to where this is located but, but the I thing get, is nothing works in the layout it's the, true if you lay if you tried to map the place it does not work and part of that is just the um it, everything was built in the soundstage including the hedge maze so um there were there were constraints on what you could do with the layout. It, they took over all of Elstree Studios for this set. So none of it was actually shot at at a at, location. At a location, none of it. Wow! Like the overhead shots. Those are some some large rooms. Oh yeah, well, like the opening yeah. the opening helicopter shot. Well was, yeah yeah, was the, the, yeah that's not a soundstage of course but, but, but <laughs> virtually everything else. Yeah, anything yeah. that's inside is is all studio. And uh, the sunlight streaming into the the windows is that's all these incredibly hot lights that they had on all day, um, mimicking sunlight. And the lights were so warm that the set caught fire a couple times. And a lot of times the <laughs> the crew would be like stripped down to their underwear working because it was so goddamn warm on those sets, especially the hedge maze. So, Which you know yeah. is interesting since it was always covered in snow. Yeah, well, not not quite always. The, not always. No, there was like that opening thing where they were laying out the hedge maze. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, the and I think we should uh, maybe we talked about Shelley Duvall uh, a little bit. Um, Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson. Uh, this I think our first time that we've we've had either one of them. It's, it's oh yeah, to, it's surprising that we haven't. We've gone uh, this long without Jack Nicholson, which is really which is really kind of amazing. Well, we'll get to Chinatown soon enough, and I'm sure. sure a few good men, and a few good men, and uh, some other things, or that po- possibly done. one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It could happen. It could happen. Maybe Batman. So, maybe Batman. Maybe <laughs> there are a lot of Jack Nicholson performances There's... to choose from, and yet the first Jack Nicholson performance is this one. Yeah, um, that we've run into. That we've run into, and it is. Uh, and, and by this time, by the time he was making this film, he was always already very well established as as an actor because he his first role was in a cheap ass Roger Corman movie called Little Shop of Horrors yep. which was later turned into a musical in the 80s but um, from there he uh, kind of worked up through the 60s and if I remember right his first real name role was Easy Rider 
That was kind of the breakout role. Yeah, and then um, when he did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in the mid-70s, that's where, you know, he was, like, Oscar territory. And ever since then, he was one of the most famous actors in Hollywood ever since. Super And so, so by the time, you know, this is coming a few years after One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So by the time you put Jack Nicholson in a horror movie, it's like, well... You know what's going to happen, and maybe maybe that was maybe that was the reasoning where it's like, well, we all know everybody he's knows. Crazy. Just, we all know just go crazy. Happen. Just 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 go. Just, just go. Just chew on it. Brother. Just chew on all the scenery, Jack. I don't care if it's realistic. Who gives a shit? They just want to see you. I just, I'm just nuts. Thinking, uh, the day that they were like, all right, Jack, we just want you to stand here and throw a tennis ball at the wall and catch it, and he said, okay. Yep. Actually, actually, Jack Nicholson came up with that. Well, I mean, you'd think... Because the, the script said, Jack is not working. <laughs> and so that's what he decided to do. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, obviously he had some skill at it because he kept catching that damn ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> he, he uh, for, for as much as Stanley Kubrick did not particularly care for improvisation because he likes to design his films down to the tiniest little thing. Uh, Nicholson got away with some stuff like uh, the Here's Johnny line <laughs> is all Jack. And um, yeah, it, there were a couple of other things like that where it's like, yep, yep, and just let Jack let Nicholson Jack, go. Nic- let Jack be Jack, as mm-hmm, they say. Mm-hmm. Then there's then there's Shelley Duvall, and we need to talk Oof. about uh, yeah. what because what, this is uh, this is the the story about Duvall and Kubrick is kind of the the story of of Kubrick as a director. <laughs> really, it really is. Uh, Shelley Duvall, you know, came on set and Kubrick treated her horribly. And in part, he did that to kind of isolate her from everybody else and make her feel desperate at all times. And he would make her do hundreds of takes, you know. And that's just, not that's not. And figurative. that's not just her. It's not figurative. She would he would literally some of these takes he would do hundreds of times. Yeah, they. They were the multiple days doing the same take over and over yeah. and over. There is some there is some argument about uh, the scene on the stairs with the baseball bat, but like the Guinness Book of World Records listed it as 127 takes, and somebody on the crew said it was more like 35 to 50, which is still a good lot. god <laughs> to do that scene that many times, and. She would be doing these scenes for so long, over and over and over. She'd run out of tears. She, they had to keep giving her water so she could continue crying. She would just get dehydrated from crying that much, and she was so distressed during the shoot. Like her hair was falling out. She was very seriously ill. You know, she was just not, uh, not mentally healthy at, by the end of it. But. Um, the performance they got on film was amazing. And um, even Duvall looks back on it going, this is one of my best performances ever. And you know, Nicholson looks back on the project going, yeah, this, that's the hardest role I've ever seen anybody take on in my life. And you know, credit to her. Yeah. And uh, you know, my personal experience with the film, um, I was a Stephen King nut when I was a kid, and I saw every Stephen King movie my mom would let me get my hands on and this was one I uh, got to see fairly early and I remember when I was a kid 
being kind of annoyed at Shelley Duvall because she's always crying and always screaming and it's just like, eh. But now I look back on this performance and it, this is a woman in the midst of an extremely dysfunctional relationship. And she's being portrayed as weak and she's kind of this submissive character and yet she gets out of the situation. Um... Jack Nicholson doesn't manage to lay a fucking finger on her. <laughs> there, there is all there. She still gets out fine. You know, it, there, there is the point that she up. realizes she's in a horror film. You yeah. Know, anytime, anytime a character in a horror film grabs a knife, yeah, is it's is like, like the most point. You. They're like, I realize I'm in a horror film. I must defend myself from said horror film. Uh, and and, and she, it, and like she when she's like, cheer. I'm going to go talk to your father, and she takes the, the baseball bat. bat. Yeah. She's like, that's, she, that's that, a great moment. It uh-huh. is not an improvised weapon. It nope. is like, I'm going to go to talk to somebody who is clearly unhinged, and I need something to protect myself. Yes. And I, as soon as she hits him, she doesn't run away screaming. She drags him into dry storage and locks him in there. Right. So it, and it's it's beautiful, and I love that so much. Where he then eats all the product placement. Oh, yeah, because it's delicious. <laughs> oh, yummy, yummy pl- product placement. But, I think the interesting thing yeah. about that moment in the film, too, when he gets locked in that, that room, is until then, there is considerable question as to whether or not anything supernatural is happening. Oh, yeah. As far yeah. as ghosts are concerned. Yeah, I noticed I mean, that, too. That Oh, yeah. There's there's the shining thing with Scatman Carruthers that can't be ignored, that there's clearly some sort of telepathic bond that's mm-hmm. going on between the kid. But Nicholson, everything that's happening could be imagined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until, until somebody lets him out of that room. Mm-hmm. Which and is impossible unless there is a supernatural living embodiment of that hotel. Right. That, that yeah, and out. then from that point on, you know, Shelley Duvall sees the skeletons in the room and the blood coming out of the elevator. And then, you know, the final shot is that weird ass uh, photograph with Jack Nicholson in it from 1921 yeah, but before... you know but prior to that it that is a long game of this could all be in his head before seeing it I had assumed that that it was all in the characters heads mm-hmm. I mean I knew that the that the twin girls uh, were not real mm-hmm. um, you know I knew that the, that the characters saw things uh, but I, I had assumed that it was entirely in their heads and so mm-hmm. adding all of that in the end of the film, uh, really, kind of changes that the dynamic. It's not just that this place did something to them. This place is its own entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they they set that up with uh, Carruthers. Now Carruthers. Here's another interesting thing. That character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I'm amused as all hell by that character because he spends <laughs> half the music getting half the movie getting there to rescue this family. He walks into the building and he gets an axe in his chest yep. and he's done. Yeah, he doesn't make it past the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you, magical black man. You, you have brought the uh, the necessary vehicle for the white characters to escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both, yeah. Yep. Yes, he brought the escape the escape he, he, vehicle. He brought the escape vehicle. Not that they needed one because Jack Nicholson's going to freeze to death. He never gets out of the maze. Well, you um, know. If my crazy husband went out into the maze to freeze to death, I kind of want to get away from that hotel. I agree. I agree. Really? But I'm just, they might have had time to fix the other snow cat under those circumstances. But anyway, I, I if they would know. I just want to be out of there. Just if they know. Yeah. There is blood coming out of the elevator. I'd want to be gone. I, well, <laughs> you can use the stairs. 
<laughs> okay, so the blood coming out of the elevator set. Uh, that was... You're a very practical man. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that whole shot, first of all, the entire trailer for The Shining was that shot of the blood coming out of the elevator, which is really amusing because the MPAA uh, did not allow blood to be seen in trailers at all at that point in time of history. So how Kubrick made that happen was he told the MPAA it was just rusty water. (laughs) 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 And therefore you get gallons and gallons and gallons of blood pouring out of an elevator for an entire trailer. Beautiful. I love it. The other thing is that that shot took three tries uh, to get. That must have pissed off Shelley Duvall. Yeah, really. But then then again, it took over a year to get it. Oh, my God. Well, she's she's not actually shown in that... In that same shot, though, oh, she's no, just no, shown no, the actor. No, no, just saying she must have pissed her oh, off. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. elevator shot took three tries. <laughs> yeah. But but that but those three tries were over the course of a year because it took so long to reset the shot when it uh, went wrong. That sure, because you, you've got to, it's. I'm sure it stains everything. Yeah, yeah. I was right trying on. to figure out if it was if it was a full size or if it was a model for that. Oh God, I can't remember now. It, it was, looked full size. It, it, it I looks, mean, I'm not sure because really if you, water, if you water, know, water doesn't scale well. Water yeah. doesn't. So if you know, like if you watch old films, any yeah. any shots of like boats are always done in a miniature tank. They they never yeah. use full size ships. They use miniature ships. And if, when you know that and you look at the water, you can tell. Oh yeah, that totally. that it's that it's a miniature because you're right. Water doesn't scale well. Yeah. Um. When when you scale down a water effect, you can tell that the water is yeah. is is it that it's scaled down effect. That said they could probably use like a, a three quarter scale model. Yeah. It might not have been a little bit less blood. But it and, might not have been a hundred percent full scale, yeah. but it would have to be close. But it wouldn't it wouldn't have been like a one to one model where you know like a one inch to one foot model or anything like that. They no, would, that would have you I was just thinking about it as as a, whether or not it was a model only in respect to that um, if it wasn't Holy cow! That says something about the production. Yeah. Well, yeah. Stanley Kubrick. Well, Stanley Kubrick could command that sort of, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> even though he just legendarily went over budget and over time on just about anything. But well, the that, results are like this. And this 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 film took a really long time to make. Not yeah. just because there were hundreds of takes for Shelley Duvall. It, it it's Kubrick. That's what Kubrick did. He was yeah. so exacting that that he would take as much time as it took to make a film. Yep. And it would drive his his producers nuts, I'm well, sure. Oh, yeah. And, and the... God, it was only supposed to take 17 weeks to shoot the movie, and it went so long where he... Like I said earlier, he had taken over all of Elstree Studios. Like, all of it. So all the sets were, uh, in, were all up. Uh, because he also insisted on filming everything in order. So all the sets had to be ready at any time, <laughs> which is also a pain in the ass. But meanwhile, as he's going over, there there were two movies waiting in the wings trying to get into Elastry. It's like, come on, guys, hurry it up. And those two movies were Raiders of the Lost Ark and ah. Reds. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know, poor Steven Spielberg's in there. It's like, God damn it, Kubrick. I, I got an archaeologist uh, just itching to find yeah. the Ark of the Covenant. And he can't because of this fucking carpet. 
Yeah, it, the if I remember right, the uh, the room with the the typewriter in it is the one that turned into the Well of Souls. Oh yeah, <laughs> right, because that's the one with the super high ceiling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got a super high ceiling. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah a so good they point. could actually put the Well of Souls. Uh-huh. In it. So there you go. So now, uh, before we uh, move on to, and I mean, we're yeah, we've covered a lot, but I think oh, what there's we need, so much to say. What about we this need movie. to cover for a moment is yeah. the the documentary Room Two Thirty Seven. Yeah. Because one of the other things about The Shining that's amazing is the number of conspiracy theories Good that God. have arose, arisen <laughs> around this film and around specifically Room Two Thirty Seven to the point that there is a documentary about uh, I believe it's five different yeah. people who are obsessed with this film to the point of having instructed elaborate conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which built almost entirely around the fact that there was a rumor that Kubrick had been hired to fake the moon landings yep. and that that uh, The Shining is actually Kubrick's confession yeah. of having faked the moon landings. Now, if you would like me to explain to you how The Shining is a confession that he faked the moon landings, I guarantee you I cannot because it is so bizarre and weird. Yeah. But the documentary itself is a fascinating exploration yeah. of of the links to which people will go to justify completely insane ideas. Oh yeah, it, and it's and it's kind of brilliant where a lot of these people you're listening to them, it's like, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Oh, you're in crazy town now. That's okay. You're off the deep end there. Yeah, because <laughs> just about all of them start with, well, I went to see the movie and I was just like, well. Well, there's this thing. It's not that great. I don't understand why people say this movie is so good. And then I went to see it again, and I saw this thing, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. And you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I saw that same thing, too. And I thought, wow, that was amazing. And that told me that what it was really trying to say was this. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Where did this come from? You just took a big leap from one to the next. Yeah. You went from A to B. To 17. Yeah. You know, it just... is a grand canyon width yeah. leap of faith yeah. that they just took. Uh, and a uh, leap of logic, perhaps, is a better term. And it's but uh, Ill- seek it out. I illogic. I, I believe it is available streaming. Uh, I think I watched yeah, it on it's... Netflix, and it's one of those movies that you should be able to find streaming just about any time. Yeah, I think it's on Hulu here and there. And yeah, one, it's pretty easy. To get once you watch on. The Shining. Yeah, uh, because uh, and this this is a story. Um, the Minnesota Fringe Festival does a fundraiser every year. They do five fifths of a pop culture film. Yeah, uh, and I one year was asked to do one fifth of it, which is a great honor and super awesome. And this the movie in question was The Shining. Mm-hmm. So in my room right now, as we're talking, I have five, six, excuse me, puppets uh, l- uh, lording over us uh, from the first fifth of The Shining, which was my mm-hmm. my part. Of the uh, of of the show, and I wrote as a musical, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood musical mm-hmm. version of of The Shining, <laughs> and uh, for, in preparation, I not only watched The Shining multiple times in, in my fifteen minute segment a lot, uh, but I then watched Room Two Thirty Seven. Oh God! To to see if that was a useful research, and it was not. Although it did uh, have me insert a moon landing joke into my part of the part of the. The, the, the sketch, the, yeah. the, the show. So maybe it was useful for something. Yeah, there's also this thing that's been going around uh, that was... I can't remember if they discussed this in Room 237 or not, but the uh, Stanley Kubrick back and forth thing where they run The Shining both backwards and forwards yes, at the same time and that layer is in... the, the image over itself. Yes. And so um, 
the the year that Room 237 came out, it was at Fantastic Fest. And one of the other things they did at Fantastic Fest to celebrate this was they did the back and forth thing. They ran it in one of the time slots as a film where they, they showed the uh, the movie forward and backward at the same time, layered over each other. Yes, and that's one of the, and, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the conspiracy theories yeah. in Room 237 has to do with when and, and you do that, how it syncs up at certain points. It, it's Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and The Wizard of Oz <laughs> again. That's all it is. It's... <laughs> Pattern seeking—that's all it is. And but it's it's still fascinating. When they do that, did they did they play like the soundtrack both forward and backwards, or did they just play the forward soundtrack? I wasn't in that screening, oh. so I think they just played it forwards. I think. I hope so because the yeah. backward soundtrack I think would be really distracting. Or well, both at once would you'd be as crazy as. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like sitting through that for like two hours would be just. You'd want to hit someone. Well, there's, wow. so, there's so little dialogue in the film. People wouldn't be talking over each other that often. Yeah, but um, but wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, they they just played Dark Side of the Moon over it, and we're done with it. <laughs> That's what they should do. No, I'm sorry, I missed that. That would that would be uh, that that particular. The, the the one that was the moon landing one was super fascinating, but yeah. they all they all tend to revolve around room two two thirty seven and they start doing all this weird number association with that. Room. Oh yeah, and then it, there's um, the one there's a person who uh, it's like this is all about the Holocaust. It's all about the Native Americans. It's all it's just there there are so many ways that people have read into this particular movie. It's just yeah. fascinating. Oh, and, and, by and the a way, lot I... of it and a lot of it is supported by the fact that that, you know, Kubrick was so meticulous, none of this could possibly be accidental. Or right. none of this could possibly be me just reading into things that that uh, were meant something completely else to yeah, whoever it's, it's was. It's almost like the movie. it's almost like the response is, well Kubrick was a genius and if I can figure out what he meant then I too I'm a genius. genius, yeah. Uh, another thing that I will uh, recommend, dear listeners, that is shorter, but just a treat, is uh, by Imagine Dragons, the video for I'm on Top of the World. Oh, shit, really? Which is, oh, yeah, I'll show it I to you. When we're it, done. Yeah. Oh, my God, you got to watch it. If you're a Kubrick fan, oh. fucking amazing. Just nice. just go watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, we'll, I'll show it to you before before you leave tonight, because it is awesome. it is a thing of beauty. There There is also a trailer on YouTube where... They recut The Shining as a romantic comedy. Oh yes, I've seen which that. Which is hysterically funny. I've seen that. Yeah, they just beautiful. add a little bit of happy, cheery piano music and, and the and the happy, cheery announcer voice. And yeah. and then it breaks into uh, I think it breaks into Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. It does. As it always does. It does. It does. You are absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's, it's, it's terrific. Okay, so we are getting to that point that we should do final thoughts. Mm-hmm. And while there's much more that we could say about The Shining, we, we need to boil it down to a final thought. Sean, I'll let you go first. What's your final thought about The Shining? Uh, it's a lot of Jack Nicholson being awesomely Jack Nicholson-like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jack, he Jack Nicholson's the shit out of this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just just gnaws it all to hell. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah, as I was watching it, I even said... Oh yeah, you can see how this guy is going to be the Joker in Batman. In, in, <laughs> oh yeah, in less than a decade. Oh yeah, you know the insanity is right there. You don't even have to put the makeup on him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's all right there, <laughs> like very, very there. <laughs> okay, Melissa, what's your final thought? So Kubrick was famous for liking to do uh, all of his special effects in camera. So the, I think, 
the only process shot or one of very very few process shots was that amazing overhead shot of the maze where it's a slow zoom in and you can see oh yeah uh danny and wendy wandering around in the very which is an amazing maze. shot it's by an the way. amazing shot so what they did was they took the model of the of the uh of the maze which you actually see in the movie they did this you know slow zoom in from overhead and then they additionally got a second shot where um the the child actor and Shelley Duvall were wandering around on the concrete like below an apartment building and the crew went up to the top of the apartment building and shot straight down at them and then sandwiched the two together and you know uh, masked you know zoomed in at the exact same rate and you know all sorts of crazy Kubrick exacting stuff and it all works perfectly. It does. It's a great mm. shot. It's beautiful. It's it's one of those shots where you're 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 wondering because of when it was made, you're like, how the fuck yeah, did they really? make that happen? Um, yeah. Because you know now they just do CG, but uh, it's a great mm. shot. Um, all right. So my final thought: we 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 haven't talked about the child actor at all in this film, and he does yeah. really, yeah. he does he a really good. good good job. I yeah. mean, especially given that he's got to play this dual role almost. Mm-hmm. And he had no idea he was in a horror movie. <laughs> he had no clue. The uh, Kubrick was very protective of him, and so you know anything he wasn't necessarily needed for, he was ushered offset. The kid had no idea he had been in a horror movie. Um, when he was shown the movie later, it was a heavily edited version, and he wasn't until he was seventeen that he actually got to see The Shining as we saw it which is amazing so for him that trailer with the salisbury hill music in it that's what he thought he was doing yeah 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 uh but he he really also i think turns in a really good performance you know obviously with a child actor a lot of that has to do with the director Mm -hmm. um giving that kid good instruction and and he he does a great job yeah uh so i felt we would be miss not to mention him of course none of us have mentioned him by name because lloyd his last name is lloyd yeah uh, Uh, and i looked it up earlier and i was going to say it now and i keep wanting to say Jake Lloyd, but that's the kid that's in Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's not that, anyway, that, that poor kid. Yeah, that poor kid who, again, Jesus. you can blame his performance more on the director than you can on Indeed. the kid. Indeed. Anyway, so uh, that's that's what we've got for The Shining. Now, uh, we are going to stick with Kubrick mm-hmm. next month uh, as we go to 2001. Yep. So that is exciting. Uh, but this is this has been our October special. So we started with Halloween. We moved on to The Shining. Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple of horror films. We hope you enjoyed our foray into uh, 70s, horror. late 70s, early 80s uh, mm-hmm. horror, uh, which is not typical horror at all. We went for, I mean, anyway. <laughs> Because what the hell? What the Why, hell? Not? Why, Why not? Why not? Why not? Anyway, uh, and so um, I'm going to just say, do come back uh, next month for to or next time for 2001, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. So long. Thank you, Sean. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on a real education. Dee, dee.